Uh, have you ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Right? I, I'm, sure, I'm assuming all of us kids and I guess now even adults, y'all probably heard that from your parents, you are what you eat. And they'd probably say that, your parents would probably say that to you when you're eating something unhealthy, right? Whether it be candy or a little Debbie or something. And so, you know, my parents would say this to me when I'd be eating something maybe unhealthy, you know, maybe a honey bun, maybe a brownie, uh, maybe too much candy, right? Uh, and so they'd say, you know what, you, you are what you eat. To me, I didn't really find that too convincing to get me to stop eating that thing. Like, I don't mind being a honey bun. Are you kidding me? Like a, a nice tall glass of Dr. Pepper. You, I would love to be that, you know what I'm saying? So that, that quote, the, the, the quote, you are what you eat, it didn't really get me to stop uh, eating the unhealthy things. In fact, that quote would probably be better said, you are what you want, right? Because before you eat whatever treat you like, whether it be a honey bun or some candy, you want that thing, right? Before you eat it, you think of something, you know what, I really want a honey bun right now, and then you go eat it. So the better quote would be, you are what you want. And that's actually something that applies to a lot of life. We are what we want. You see, often our desires dictate who we are and what we do. And I say unfortunately, because not all our desires, not everything we want is pure. Such as your parents telling you, hey, you shouldn't eat that massive amount of candy because it's going to make you throw up, right? But I want that massive amount of candy. I want to eat that candy. Even if it were to make me throw up, even though it would be wrong, I'd still want it anyway. And so you see, our wants, our desires often dictate what we do, even if there were negative consequences, even if our wants and our desires were not pure. Our desires our wants, they dictate often what we do and who we are. You see, they're core to who we are as people. So if you want to know how to change yourself, you've got to change your desires. You've got to change what you want. In other words, you've got to change your hearts. Now, the sermon is certainly going to be centered on Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, but I'm also drawing from this book today. It's called You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. Now, this book right here, I'm tempted to say it's probably my favorite book I read while in college. It is a very good book, and this is a, it, it has a more comprehensive take on what we are going to talk about today. So, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And in this book, I'm going to read something real quick that relates to the sermon. Get there. He says, you are what you love because you live toward what you want. Our desires, our wants, they dictate what we do and often dictate who we are. We go, we strive towards those things, what we want. In John chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus, he actually, he asked this question to people who, who were thinking about following him. You know what? What do you want? What do you want? If you can go to the next slide, please. He turned and, said, and saw them following him, and he said this, what are you seeking or what are you wanting? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So Jesus, looking at these people who want to follow them, he asked this question, what do you want? Because that question is very important. If you're considering following Christ, that is a question you have to answer. Because if you do not want him if you do not want the life that entails being a disciple, then you can't follow him. 
If you were about your desires and only your desires, then you cannot follow him because, see, our desires drive our life. They influence who we are. They are a part of our heart. Now, you may wonder, what does this have to do with Matthew 5, verse 8? Well, you see, we've got to talk about the heart again, and I've referenced this a few times. It's very important. We've got to understand what the heart is. And in the Greek, it has to do with your impulse, feelings, desires, and affections. So we're not talking about, again, we're not talking about the heart inside your chest, your impulses, feelings, affections, and desires, the things that are a core to who you are. Now, in our faith tradition, the Churches of Christ, we have in the past put a, a strong emphasis on what one does. Now, let me tell you something, and this is something that's demonstrated in Christ's teachings. You are not necessarily what you do. Right? Often people talk of themselves about oh, what they do, whether it be work or maybe a hobby. They tell you about what they do when they describe themselves. But here's the thing. You would not do what you do if you didn't want that thing. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to this. Sometimes where maybe as a kid you're made to do things you don't want to do. But as a general rule, in life we do the things we do because we desire those things. And unfortunately... People set out to change themselves, but they focus on the wrong things. They focus on the external things. They don't focus on the internal desires. They do not focus on their heart. You see, to have true lasting change, you need to change your heart. You need to change your internal desires. And so much of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, that's where the Beatitudes come from in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 so much of the Sermon on the Mount centers around this idea. It's, it's not about external actions. It's about what's in here. For instance, Jesus is teaching on anger. You know, you've heard it said, you, you, you shall not murder. Right? External action. Murdering someone. But he says to you, you shouldn't even be angry with your brother. Right? Anger can get to a point where it's sinful. That's not an external action. That's an internal action feeling. And Jesus is teaching on lust, right? You've heard, that, you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, do not even look at a woman lustfully. Uh, and then if you have, you've committed adultery with her, and where? In your heart. See, so much of Jesus' teaching and, and his Sermon on the Mount centers around this idea that to really change yourself, you have to change what's going on in here. You have to change your heart. You have to change your impulses. You have to change your desires. You have to change your feelings because not all of those things are pure. So are you pure in heart? Now, we're going to break this down slowly. If you could go back to the previous slide. I'm going to break this down slowly. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, it's pretty straightforward. The Greek word for pure can mean sincere, clean, or guiltless. And the word for heart can mean desires, impulses, affections, and feelings. So combined together, what does that mean? Do you have pure desires, impulses, affections, and feelings? Are they clean? Blessed are people with that kind of heart. Pure desires, pure impulses, pure affections, pure feelings, for they shall see God. Where have you heard this phrase before, pure or clean heart? You've heard this before. David in Psalm 51, he actually, he asks God to give him a clean heart. So let's turn to Psalm 51. 
Psalm 51, and the context being he's writing this after he had been called out by Nathan the prophet for having slept with Bathsheba and killed Uriah. See, both very external sinful actions. And here's what David has to say in Psalm 51, verse 1 says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Okay. Just to begin with, before even making a request, David says, you know what, God, it is you, it is your mercy, it's by your steadfast love that I even get anything. All right, before we make our request to God, we got to understand one thing, that if we get that thing, it's only because he is merciful, and it's because he has steadfast love towards us. Verse 2 and following. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Verse 6, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom and the secret hearts. Now, often people, they, they, they skip ahead and they read just verses 9 through 12 where he asked for a clean heart. But that verse right there, verse 6, that is a profound verse. You delight in truth and in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom and the secret heart. See, the first thing we got to do, we got to be willing to do in order to be made pure by God is to be honest with what's going on in here. What's going on in your inward being? What's going on in your heart? David understands that. Yeah, he just, he just committed adultery. Yeah, he just murdered someone. And he could have said, you know what, God, I, I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry I did those actions. But David, he knows it's much deeper than that. He knows there's much more than just doing something. He knows there's something wrong in his heart and there's something that needs to be changed. Truth in his inward being. He's being honest with God. God, there's something wrong in my heart. And he says, teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Now, I think this, he's, he's saying, he's asking God, God, I need your wisdom for my heart. Because earthly wisdom according to our hearts, would be, let's do what I, I feel. I'm going to do the things. I'm going to strive for the things I desire. But David knows that's, that's not what I should do because that leads to terrible, sinful, impure things. Rather, we need God's wisdom to dictate our desires, our impulses, our feelings, who we are at core. Verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Simple question. Who cleanses you? God. It's that simple. You don't cleanse yourself. Uh, the preacher doesn't cleanse you. The elders don't cleanse you. The, the deacons don't cleanse you. Nobody besides God cleanses you. So where do you go if you want to be cleansed? Where do you go if you want to be made pure? God. It's not by our own doing, but by God's power. Verses 8 and following. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Here's the primary request in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within 
me, create in me a clean, a pure heart, create in me pure desires, pure impulses, pure feelings, pure affections. Again, simple question, where does a pure heart come from? God. Verse 11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Again, simple question, what's the result of not having a pure heart being cast away? David understands that he needs God to to, to change him internally, to change him internally so that he's not cast away. Away. David knows it's not enough. It's not enough for me just to stop killing people. It's not enough for me just to stop doing these sinful actions. I need more than that. I need to be changed in my inward being. See, that's so much of what it is to be in Christ. It's not just about doing the right things. You've heard me say this before. It's about being changed internally at core of who you are. Uh, There's a saying, I've mentioned this before too, it's a really good saying. God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. We've got to be changed in our inward being. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. What's the joy of God's salvation? I I thought about this and at first I was a little confused and I I think I can kind of see where he's going. What's the joy of God's salvation? I think it's exactly what he's requesting. A pure heart. Right? Because outside of that, if you don't have a pure heart, guess what? You're going to be cast away. So surely the joy of his salvation is having a pure heart. And think about this. If you've experienced this in your life, if you've taken a look at the past and how much you've come, Right, how much God has done in your life, how much he has changed you internally, it should bring you joy. I look at my life, how much has happened to me, how much of a sinner, and still am a sinner, but how much God has changed me, how much he has perfected me. Not perfect, always striving there, but God has changed me so much and it brings me joy to see how much he has made my heart pure. So the joy of his salvation, I think, is exactly that, a pure heart. Verses 13 through 17. Now here in verses 13 through 17, what we see is what his response is in light of God cleansing him, in light of God giving him a pure heart. So the verses say this, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. So in response to God giving him a pure heart, he tells others of God. He praises God, and instead of offering sacrifice, an external action, instead of offering those external actions and worship to God, he offers what? A broken and contrite heart, meaning a remorseful heart, a heart that knows it's been wrong and a heart that knows that it needs to be right. 
Tell God of others, praise God, and offer a contrite, a remorseful heart. So I want you all to ask yourself seriously, is my heart pure? Now, I don't, I don't want to mislead anybody. This is a lifelong process. We have hearts of stone, and each and pa- every passing day, God chips away at that stone to give us a heart of flesh, a heart that is pure. Another question, do you want to see God? Because without that pure heart, without being cleansed by who? By God, you're not going to see God. Do you want to see God? If you want to, you can come now as we stand and sing.